Good morning. We are in sections 12 to 13 and Joseph Smith History 1, 66 through 75. So starting in section 12, we meet a really great guy. His name is Joseph Knight. And some quick things about this good guy. He was an older gentleman. He frequently traveled from Colesville to Harmony, and that's not a short trip, to bring supplies, provisions, things from the store, shoes, money to help out, money to buy paper to translate to Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery. He owned a farm, a grist mill on the Susquehanna River. He was not rich, but he had sufficient for the needs of his family. And the prophet worked for him from time to time. He was a very honest man, respected and loved by his neighbors and acquaintances. He had a wife, three sons, and four daughters. They had a pretty good-sized family. The prophet said of Joseph Knight, quote, For 15 years he's been faithful and true, even-handed and exemplary, virtuous and kind, never deviating to the right or to the left. His name shall never be forgotten. He referred to him as one of the faithful few. He truly was a blessing to the prophet and to Emma. Joseph Smith traveled in the Knight's wagon to organize the church and in his sleigh when he moved to Ohio. Joseph Knight wrote of assisting the young prophet, quote, I let him have some little provisions and some few things out of the store a pair of shoes and three dollars in money to help him a little. He also wrote, I gave Joseph a little money to buy paper to translate. I'm struck by how humble his description was. A little of this and a little of that, no big deal. But listen to what Joseph Smith said of his contribution. He praised Joseph Knight for his donations that, quote, enabled us to work continue the work when otherwise we must have relinquished it for a season, close quote. So maybe you think what you do and how you help may not be a big deal, but to those you serve, it is a big deal. So later on, people were seeking to be baptized into the church, and Joseph Knight was hesitant. Why? Well, he said, quote, I had some thoughts to go forward, but I had not read the Book of Mormon, and I wanted to examine a little more. Well, aware of his hesitation, the prophet Joseph Smith prayed for him, and in section 23 received this counsel, Joseph Knight, you must take up your cross, in the which you must pray vocally before the world as well as in secret. It's your duty to unite with the true church and give your language to exhortation continually. Well, that was April of 1830, and in obedience, he was baptized in June of that year. Now back to section 12. Section 12 is the answer to Joseph Knight's question of how he could contribute and how he could help with the work. He was given two charges, to seek to bring forth and establish Zion was one, and also, um, he was told that Joseph and Emma were entrusted to his care. He was true to that charge, always in the background, filling needs and supporting. Sister Susan Easton Black tells his story in her book, Who's Who in the Doctrine and Covenants. Quote, in 1839, the Knight family settled in Nauvoo. 
There Father Knight was feeble and unable to work. His son Newell wrote, My father, as my own family, depended on me for bread and the necessities of life. He added, It was a pleasure to me to supply his wants and to add to his comforts. Aware of his faithfulness and poor health, the High Council donated a house and a lot to him. One day the Prophet Joseph saw his elderly friend hobbling along without a cane. The Prophet approached him and putting his arm around him, pressed Father Knight's fingers onto the top of his cane and said, Brother Knight, you need this cane more than I do. And the Prophet then told him to keep it as long as he needed it and then to pass it on to, de to descendants with the first name Joseph. The cane has been passed down through several descendants until the present day. Now moving on to section 13, it's only one verse. To describe a very momentous movement and moment for us all. This is John the Baptist speaking in verse 1. Upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of Messiah, I confer the priesthood of Aaron, which holds the keys of the ministering of angels, and of the gospel of repentance and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. And this shall never be taken again from the earth until the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. Can you imagine John the Baptist standing in front of you and greeting you with my fellow servants and in the, in the name of the Messiah confers the priesthood, which will change the course of mankind from that point forward? Can you imagine all that we are blessed with in our life because of the priesthood? This was the Aaronic priesthood, and it was a step in the unfolding restoration. I love how Oliver Cowdery describes these days. He's, Oliver Cowdery describes these events thus, quote, these are days never to be forgotten, to sit under the sound of a voice dictated by the inspiration of heaven, awaken the most gratitude of this bosom. You know, I've often thought of these days that we're living through right now as days never to be forgotten. Historical, days of discovery, new skills maybe, new insights, new perspectives, new appreciation. Days never to be forgotten. Well, Oliver continues, while the world was racked and distracted, while millions were groping as the blind for the wall, and while all men were resting upon uncertainty, as a general mass, our eyes beheld, our ears heard, as in the blaze of a day, yes, more above the glitter of the May sunbeam, which then shed its brilliancy over the face of nature. Then his voice, though mild, pierced to the center, and his words, I am thy fellow servant, dispelled every fear. We listened, we gazed, we admired, "'Twas the voice of an angel from glory. "'Twas a message from the Most High. "'And as we heard, we rejoiced, "'while his love enkindled upon our souls, "'and we were wrapped in the vision of the Almighty. "'Where was room for doubt? "'Nowhere. 
Uncertainty had fled, doubt had sunk, no more to rise, while fiction and deception had fled forever. Look at the contrast he lays out there. He describes the world, racked, distracted, uncertain, deception, groping blind. Then he describes where they are in their experience as the blaze of a day above the glitter of May sunbeam. His love kindled upon our souls, joy. Kind of like what we're seeing in our time. Doesn't that describe the world right now? Racked and distracted, millions groping, while all men resting upon uncertainty. Um, and yet, within that framework, they experience a closeness and a joy of being close to God, and we can too. Where was room for doubt? Nowhere. Well, he continues, I shall not attempt to paint to you the feelings of this heart, nor the majestic beauty and glory which surrounded us on this occasion, but you'll believe me when I say that earth nor men with the eloquence of time cannot begin to clothe language in as interesting and sublime a manner as this holy pers personage. No, nor has this earth power to give the joy, to bestow the peace or comprehend the wisdom, which was contained in each sentence as they were delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man may deceive his fellow men. Deception follow deception and the children of the wicked one may have power to seduce the foolish and untaught till naught but fiction feeds the many and the fruit of falsehood carries in its current the giddy to the grave. But one touch with the finger of his love, yes, one ray of glory from the upper world, or one word from the mouth of the Savior, from the bosom of eternity strikes it all into insignificance and blots it forever from the mind. So descriptive of our time, man deceiving his fellow men, Satan's power over the foolish and the untaught, fiction feeding the many, but one touch with the finger of his love, one word from the mouth of the Savior strikes it all into insignificance and blots it forever from the mind. If you have never noticed or read Oliver Cowdery's writing at the bottom of the Joseph Smith history, take some time to study it. He has a talent with descriptive writing, almost paints a picture of sparkling sunlight on the Susquehanna River. You almost feel the sunlight filtering through the trees in a soft breeze as magnificent things unfold. Challenge question. How has the priesthood blessed your life? Well, have a great week. And remember to always follow the Savior's admonition to come follow me.